Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The kick ahead. He's chasing it. The bounce sits up. The Dragons are steamrolling to week two of the finals. Inside the last 10 seconds of the game, St. George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel. Oh, leaping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible drive that ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out, he strikes it nicely. St George Illawarra win for the first time in their Premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Chipping over the top of John Kane. Got a rude service bounce to win the game for the Dragons. And book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Good evening, folks, and welcome to episode 123 of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett in the chair to guide you through everything in regards about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Always a fun podcast when we get to talk about a victory, and uh, for the fifth time this season, the Dragons able to get home uh, in the Johnny Raper tribute game out there at a, a sloppy and wet cogger at times by 24 points to 18. We'll have a full rundown of that victory a little bit later on in the podcast. Also preview the match against the Kenry Bankstown Bulldogs. The Dragons, I guess, as a merge entity or as a joint venture playing at Belmore for the very first time. Uh, St. George last played there in 1996, so well over 25 years ago, and uh, hopefully the boys can put in a good shift and pick up available two competition points as they lead into the bye a week after that. We'll also round up your latest Dragons news, answer your fans' questions, and have a look at the lower grades with the Dragons jersey flag side uh, getting up over the weekend. Well, he's been away for the last couple of weeks. He's been on a two-match ban. He's back now. Johnny Petty's raring and jumping to go. He's fitting this in just before he goes and uh, does some training with the Northern Suds Bulldogs uh, down on the South Coast. So we appreciate Johnny uh, fitting us in in a, a very busy schedule that he's had the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Johnny, nice to be hearing your voice, mate. Uh, how are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, good to be back, Jack. Look, uh, shout out to Hammer over Sledgehammer. Corey Hammond done a fantastic job the last couple of weeks. And apologies, Jack, and to everyone. But, yeah, a bit of, uh, bit of work going on. And then 
with the the weather and the unpredictability of getting onto any training rounds, it's been a bit chaotic. Um, afternoons trying to lay a bit of turf and try and find some, um, you know, something dry to, mm. to do a bit of footy training on. So a bit going on there, but. Yeah, look, good to come in. I think I've picked the right week to come back, Jack. A, a win on the weekend against the, against the Warriors there at uh, at Cogger. And um, look, looking forward to sinking my teeth into this one and talking about a Dragons victory. Yeah, it should be a good podcast. So I really do hope that uh, you enjoy uh, all the content uh, that Johnny I will be producing this week. Uh, before we move on into our Dragons news and updates, just want to give a really big thanks and a huge shout out to uh, the bunch of uh, guys and gals that uh, came to our first ever Q&A um, over the weekend. We held that at Cogger Clubhouse on, uh, on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon from 12 until 2. Got to meet a, a couple of uh, lovely people that have been listening to the podcast for a while. We had some uh, some people coming from Ningen seven hours away, so it was a great yarn. And I know um, having Noel Goldthorpe there was uh, such a, a great joy for a lot of the a lot of the fans that, that came through the doors. They really appreciated some of the, the great, uh, yeah, the great uh, things that Noel was able to bring up and reminisce about that 1996 season. So really hope you guys enjoyed it and thanks so much uh, for, for tuning to the podcast, obviously, each week, but uh, coming out and supporting us uh, with events like that. Well, with no further ado, let's jump into your Dragons news and updates for this week. Well, first, let's jump in and take a look at the side. That was named by Anthony Griffin just a few short hours ago, uh, Johnny. Uh, no real changes to speak about. The only change is the return of Andrew McCulloch, who comes back from that thumb injury that's seen him miss the uh, the last three games. Uh, but unfortunately, he comes in on the bench in Jersey 14. It means that Jaden Sullivan dropped the extended bench, which uh, is uh, is not something that uh, you or me or a lot of Dragons fans are overly uh, happy about. I think we've, we've seen, uh, and anyone that listens to the podcast week in, week out, knows that Jaden Sullivan is, is that player that can give us a real spark and a little bit of class off the bench, even though he has only been playing 20 or, or 25 uh, minutes. But he is gone to the extended bench. We'll see if anything like that changes later. I guess disappointing Johnny as well. Um, I, I would have thought that I know that, that Hook certainly favours Andy McCulloch. He obviously likes what he brings to the side. Or he brings that experience, that, that little bit of leadership. But we do look very slow through the middle when you've got the him the likes of him and Embiid playing in that, that number nine. Uh, position and, and I thought after a win against the Warriors that maybe they might have given Bud a, a, another week to, to stake his claim but not to be and uh, the, the Dragons make that one change in, in naming their 17-man squad this week. Yeah look oh, I'm under the same opinion as you Jack. I'd, historically when Hooks won a game he's really picked that side and he's stuck with it and um, with McCulloch coming back from that injury I, I really would have thought we possibly could have seen um, McCulloch have a go in reserves for the week and leave Bud Sullivan in there in that 14 sort of role. Um, nevertheless, he, he's picked his man McCulloch there and Moses Mbai retains his spot with the number nine but win the starting hooker. Do you think that'll change for, for game day, Jack? I've got a feeling that uh, Andy McCulloch might actually start the game mm. and Moses might get, might get pushed back to the bench, but we'll just have to wait and see until Sunday to figure out which way Hook Griffin wants to go. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen. Um, we, we have seen Moses. I think a, a bench utility is probably a good spot for him, but I, I'm not happy with him being the bench utility if it means that Jaden Sullivan uh, misses out. And I don't think Jaden's done a whole lot wrong. He'll probably spend a, a whole episode, Johnny, kind of analysing uh, the, the, the play of, of Jaden Sullivan. And, and I guess important to note as well, playing in an unfamiliar position that he's really made his own. He scored that wonderful match-winning try against the Tigers down there at Wollongong in his first game at, at Wynn Stadium and, and obviously played a little bit of nine last year, but he's a, he's a bona fide number seven that can play six uh, if needed, but he, he certainly uh, didn't play um, any nine when he was coming uh, through the, the Maddie's Cup and SG ball grade, and I think he's done pretty well, so he can probably feel, much like uh, Tyrell Sloan to an extent, uh, fairly aggrieved that he, he could find himself in reserve grade this week. 
yeah, look, a little bit hard done by. And I think every every punter that follows the Dragons would, would feel the same way. And um, I think the more time that Bud does spend in this top grade, I think we're going to see him flourish into a much better player. I mean, he's had limited opportunities the last few seasons with uh, selections and injuries. And every time he comes in his NRL squad, he hears that spark. He's like this little ignition that goes off for the Dragons. He creates something out of nothing. It's something we need around the middle of the field. And with his speed, and he just goes off the mark so quick, um, it's a different style of game that the Dragons produce when when Bud's on the field compared to when Andy McCulloch's on there. Um, you know, Andy McCulloch's getting a bit bit long in the tooth, a little bit old, a little bit slower, and we've seen him be exposed so many times this season. And um, I would have liked to have seen Bud, Bud Sullivan hold his spot there somewhere in the 17. Yeah, not to be. We'll have to see if anything does change a little bit closer to kick off that Sunday 2 o'clock game as the Dragons are returned to Belmore against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. We'll touch on that a little bit later on in the podcast. Well, we announced that he'd re-signed uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but it was officially announced uh, by the club and by a lot of the mainstream media uh, last night, uh, Johnny, Monday night, that Jack Bird had officially uh, re-signed on a, on a new two-year contract with uh, with the Dragons. There was much fanfare uh, about whether Jack was going to sign initially the Parramatta Eel and the West Tigers were interested and then they supposedly fell out and it looked like it was a one-horse race and he was going to re-sign with the Dragons. But then even as uh, as, as late as kind of Sunday evening, uh, Sunday night, they were saying that perhaps uh, he, he wouldn't be signing with the Dragons, but it ended up uh, happening a two-year contract around the 550k mark, if uh, if you're believing what the journalists are touting in terms of, of the numbers, which is way down on the the, uh, the between 900,000 and 1 mil a season. He was getting after he left the Sharks and went up to the Brisbane Broncos. Obviously, a lot of injuries since then. Johnny, um, I, I, I don't mind the signing. I don't think Jack's certainly been in in the kind of form that the Dragons would have uh, would have hoped. But I think in his defence, he has been moved around a lot by Anthony Griffin, which I don't think has been beneficial to Jack's game at all. We saw him play a large portion of the season last year at centre. Then he was playing uh, in the back row a little bit. He played fullback and then this year started and, and trained in the back row all of preseason, which I've been very negative about on the show um, uh, in, in the way that Hooks kind of pushed him around in that 5-8th role and now he's back in in the back row. But when he's on, he, he, he can be one of the most devastating players, especially when he's he's playing on an on an edge. Um, what do you make of of the signing? And Are you, are you happy with Jack Bird being, being tied up by the Dragons? Yeah, look, it's no secret that I've always been a fan of Jack Birdie's style of rugby league, the way he goes about his his business on the field. I like his aggression. Um, look, the, the huge money that he was on at Brisbane and coming down to the Dragons, you know, that 950 to 1 million, he was never going to get that again. Um, I, you know, um, truthfully, I think 550's probably got a little bit of overs there for the Dragons, mm. um, but that's what you've got to pay if you want to sort of um, retain some sort of solid uh, player with the Dragons at the moment. I mean, no one's going to the Dragons for unders, are they? They're, no. they're, they're going there for overs. So it was just how what they've got to hold to retain Jack Bird. And look, as you said, Jack, to his defence, I feel that Jack Bird's been thrown around a little bit. He's been used as hooks, bit of a Mr. Fix-It. At times, he's been at one, he's been at three, he's been at six. We've seen him in the back row. We've seen him in at lock. Um, he's sort of been doing everything for Hook Griffin. He hasn't really nailed down a position. But I was a little bit surprised that he uh, he did sign with the Dragons. Jack, there was huge mm. mail floating around there towards the end of the week that he was off to the Tigers. And he's got a very good relationship with Jackson Hastings. So mm. that sort of connection there was really highlighted. And there was a lot of mail. You know, two months ago, I said on, on one of the podcasts that he was he was off to the Sharks. Um, I think the form of um, Talakai out there at the Sharks has probably pushed that Jack Bird under a little bit because he was going the Sharks to go back in the centres from what I was told. So mm. um, with Talakai's form and um, plugging up that centre role that was probably available up there at the Sharks, um, 
you know, it's gone a little bit quiet up there and the Dragons have swooped and, and got their man. And, look, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm happy for him to stay, Jack. Um, I think he's got a couple of good seasons left in him. Look, he, what is he, 26, 27? Mm, 27. Um, you know, if he, yeah, if he can play for a couple more seasons injury-free, we might get the best out of Jack Bird. Yeah, you think if the Dragons are going to have success, whether that be this year or next year or, or um, uh, years beyond in, in the future, Jack Bird is someone that's going to have to play at his best. We saw how good he was for Cronulla in that 2016 grand final side and how tough he is. And hopefully now that he's got a bit of consistent footy in that back row position, he might really be able to aim up and put together some uh, big shifts uh, for the Dragons. I'll certainly need it over the course of the next month or so during the season. Uh, staying on current players and I guess maybe even players that, that are hoping to break uh, into that that first grade side or show some consistent showing in the first grade side is Tyrell Sloan. Anthony Griffin was on NRL 360 last night on uh, Fox League and he was talking uh, about uh, Tyrell Sloan. Um, there's uh, certainly been uh, a fair bit of news uh, when it's come to, to Sloan. Johnny Webb uh, spoken and to have been uh, blue in the face, but um, Griffin was on, um, on that show last night and said that he wasn't going to be pressured into rushing uh, the 19-year-old back uh, into into first grade. Um, he, he's been happy with, I guess, the contributions of Moses Embai and, and more recently Cody Ramsey, who played wonderfully on the weekend, which we'll, we'll touch on a little bit later on um, in the in the podcast. Griffin actually uh, said this when he was speaking um, to the team at NRL 360. He said, uh, "Young Sloan is an enormous talent, and obviously, the last uh, this time last year he was playing in the under 19s. They all mature at different rates, and he's just taking a little bit." of time to really grab uh, onto the NRL. He is a young, exciting player of the future, so it's the present that we've got to care for him and help him get right. It's not a matter of him just going bang. They never do young players. We saw Sam Walker at the Roosters really flatten out at the back end of the year. Um, and then I uh, also went on to, I guess, speak a, a bit more specifically about that that fullback position that he's in. Um, Johnny, he was saying it's a it's a tough position, fullback. You've got to organize defensive lines, catch high balls. It's an individual position as well as being a really important team position. So really just trying to help him understand the important parts of organizing defensive lines, obviously catching the balls under pressure. And when he gets that right, all that stuff that God gave him, all that natural talent will mean even more. I don't disagree with anything that, that Griffin's said there. And, and I guess if he'd kind of come out a little bit earlier and had said this stuff when fans were kind of calling for Sloan to be in the first grade side and, and that kind of stuff, it, it would have made a, a lot more sense. I, I just think the Dragons haven't managed him uh, very well, especially when you look last week in that, 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 that and myself and Hamo spoke about it at, at length last week, but he plays in the driving rain in a, in a really tough physical game and, and then gets uh, against the Gold Coast Titans and then gets dropped the next week. And I know we, we've looked into our crystal balls now and hindsight's a lovely thing because Cody Ramsey was just tremendous. And I don't know if Tyrell necessarily would have had the same impact. Uh, his confidence certainly seems to be, to be rattled. So I hope he can kind of get that back, but I feel the Dragons management, and I'm not just going to pin it all on although he is the coach, he, he's the one that needs to live and die by the sword. I think the way they've kind of managed him in terms of the last two first grade games he's played have been in driving rain, really inclement conditions against um, a tough side in Cronulla and then Gold Coast who, who played pretty well. It's been tough on the young guy, so I hope that he can get that confidence back because a lot of people watching reserve grade, and I don't know if you saw the game on the weekend, Johnny, uh, that was televised, the reserve grade game. He just looks like a player that's void of, of all confidence. Yeah, look, it, it it has been a little bit harsh on, on Tyrell Sloan there. And you talk about that Sharks game at Wynn Stadium where they copped that pasting. It was absolutely pissing down. 
And Tyrell, he, he probably hasn't put his, his best game in, and the next week he's been dropped. He's, he's back into the side against the Gold Coast. Horrendous conditions. He's made a couple of mistakes, and he's dropped again. Um, but you, you've got to feel for Tyrell. I know mm. what Hook's come out and said. And, look, Hook has come out previously and said very similar things, you know, in the paper, in short media spurts. But he hasn't gone to the length of what he did as of last night on NRL 360. Um, look, everything he says absolutely makes sense. And when you've got a young player coming through, you don't want to overexpose them to first mm. grade. And when they do mistakes, you want them to go back and learn. Um, and he's right in what he said. Uh, you know, Tyrell was, was playing under-19s SG ball last year. Um, it's a huge step up into the big league, into the NRL. But, you know, I, I'd have liked to have seen Hook probably pick and stick. But Hook's got a job to do. He's got to, he's got to get this side into semi-final football. He's mm. there to win a premiership. And if, if your fullbacks make the mistakes, you, you've, you've got to change them out. Um, look, Tyrell going back to reserve grade, and I'll, I'll talk about the game on the weekend, Jack, and he started at fullback, but he did get pushed out there onto the picket swing there for a while, and I tend to feel that um, he's getting moved around a little bit too mm. much, and if you want this kid to learn how to play fullback, drop him back to Reggie's and play him a full 80 minutes at fullback. I know Trey Stewart's an absolute talent, but if you want to concentrate on Tyrell Sloan and you think he's your future, you need to pick and stick even if you drop him back to reserve grade. The player that Tyrell is, it would not surprise me one little bit if he's got offers coming left, right and centre at the mm. moment. And if he can hook up with a coach like Wayne Bennett, and this has been touted and spruiked a few times this week, that Wayne Bennett's actually got an eye on him, go to the Redcliffe Dolphins, we could potentially lose one of these kids that we potentially see as a future. Um, but, you know, um, he, he's got to produce the football in reserve grade first and then bring it into the NRL. Um, he's been the whiz kid coming through. He's been that Illawarra Steelers junior that everyone's talked about him, Bud Sullivan, junior Ramon. They're in the big league now. It's a completely different ball game. And mm. I'll, I'll give Hook, Hook Griffin a little bit of credit here because, you know, it would have been very, very easy just to pick Tyrell and let him stick and just let him play NRL. But, you know, if Hook's the, the people manager that we think he is and he's probably, you know, he, he has got a track record of doing it. Um, if he's doing the right thing by Tyrell and Tyrell's learning in reserve grade and he's going to come back a better player in the NRL in the future, um, you know, two years down the track, we might turn around and think that Hook Griffin done the right job. Yeah, I think the, the Dragons probably need to make a bit of a decision with when it comes to in regards to reserve grade now because they, and we'll touch on this later on the podcast, but they've lost again. They've lost a couple of games on the bounce now, that reserve grade side after um, a bit of a, a bit of a revival and I, you can argue for and against the, the, the coaching down there and those kinds of things. But if the Dragons are, are serious about developing some of these young talent and, and Jaden Sullivan might be down there, um, it's, it, is it about winning? Is it about winning premierships with, with the side and moving a, a Trace Stewart that might be a bit more dangerous in a match or are we uh, more serious about the uh, this production line that we're, we're sending out and, and players that are trying to get that regular football and, and learning positions is it more about trying to develop them and get them ready for first grade it's, uh, it's that age old question it gets thrown up in cricket a lot with uh, the English County Cricket System and also the Sheffield Shield are teams trying to win titles or are they trying to develop players to make that next step that's going to be an interesting conversation uh, for the Dragons as well because they do have some great young players that just need some quality football under their belts and this will be intriguing to see how things that transpire over the next three or four weeks down in that New South Wales Cup system. That wraps up all of our Dragons news and updates here on episode 123 of the Red V podcast. We're going to take our first little short break and then on the other side of that, Johnny and I are going to uh, dissect and recap that 24 points to 18 win against the New Zealand Warriors on the weekend. It was the fifth win of the Dragons and keeps them in striking distance of the top eight. What did we like, what we didn't like and uh, we'll talk about Cody Ramsey's wonderful performance at the back. 
Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett here with you on the Red V Podcast, episode 123, coming at you tonight. Hope you're enjoying the coverage wherever you're listening from uh, this evening. Uh, let's jump in and take a look at the match that happened on the weekend, Saturday afternoon out there at Cogra Oval. Johnny, it was horrible conditions. Thankfully, the rain kind of held off for a, a good part of uh, the match. It was a, a sloppy Cogra Oval there, and the Dragons doing just enough to get the victory over the New Zealand Warriors. It wasn't always uh, comfortable by the Red V. They recorded their their fifth win of the season. Um, Johnny, is it fair to say it was a, a fairly inconsistent performance from the Dragons? When you, you look at that 80-minute performance or that, that game aco- across the 80 minutes, the first half was there were glimpses of, of what the Dragons could really do, and I guess that was probably made a bit more um, uh, intense in the second half where they, they turned, uh, turned the spark on with some wonderful um, individual tries. Uh, but it was probably an inconsistent performance when you throw together the two halves. What did you make of uh, the performance by the Dragons on Saturday? afternoon yeah look it wasn't a, a wasn't a you know a good display of 80 minutes where we could you know talk about it today and say that was such a polished performance the first half I thought was, was pretty ordinary from the dragons and the second half was a was a half that they really should have closed out the game which they didn't they could have gone on with it and piled on the points but uh they just couldn't execute and put the warriors to the sword and in the end it was only a six point ball game mm. um look I, I thought Michael 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 Molo was outstanding I thought he was really good for his first game in the top grade um I think he'll be a, a player we'll see regularly in that side. Uh, Zach, Zach Lomax was pretty handy. Uh, look, I really enjoyed watching Juns take the line on. I thought his last tackle options there, they were a lot better. And we used him more than what we have previously. We've historically just gone to Ben Hunt for the up and under or the kick through on the last. But Junzi got his hands on the ball a little bit more. And then we'll touch on Cody Ramsey, who um, he got his opportunity and absolutely grasped it with both hands. And, um, look, he, he looks like that he might be ahead of the others with that number one jersey yeah. after that performance there. Um, but Moses Suley, I thought, was really good. I think he ran for 222, 25-plus metres um, and I'm really liking the way that Moses Suley is coming on as a rugby league player on that on that left-hand side. Let's talk about um, Cody Ramsey at the back. Uh, I was a little bit critical of the decision, not critical of Cody, just the fact that it was a yet another change to the spine, yet another change to that fullback position, but he played wonderfully and, and uh, fans will, will tell you and, and wax lyrical about him that, that through his junior days and through playing uh, Jersey Fleek for the Dragons, that, that, he's, uh, that is his position. He is a fullback. He's not a winger. He's not a centre. He's uh, been moulded, I guess, into a bit of a team player to, to fill in those those positions, but we really saw uh, the the ability for him to get on the outside um, of, of his opposition uh, or, or get on the outside of the opposition, pardon me, with that speed. And, and that was perfectly summed up with that try that he set up for Zach Lomax. Showed some really good vision ball playing. He's probably not someone that you really think like um, that, that is, a, is a ball player, but I thought his ball playing was was really good. Very safe under the high ball. Some really testing kicks from Sean Johnson in wet conditions. It, it wasn't easy out there at Cogra. I think he, he passed with uh, with flying colours, Cody. Yeah, look, he, he did really well. He... Remember when he came onto the scene, Jack, and we always we, we, we actually talked about it. We thought, geez, this guy can play football. He's a fly. He's got good hands. He's got speed. He can pass the ball. Mm. And I think we sort of went off him a little bit. He made a couple of mistakes. And, um, you know, Cody got dro- he had a few injuries. He got dropped back to reserve grade. And he's really done a good job in the last probably, you know, since the start of this season and in the offseason to, to put himself in that position to – to be sighted and want to be back in that number one jersey. And he's improved on, he, on his skills a lot. And I think he's taken that chance on the weekend, Jack, and he's, he's trying to make that number one jersey his own. He, he started off as a winger, as you know, for this Dragons outfit. And all you, all you wanted to hear about was Cody Reams and him spruiking himself, saying he's a better one than what he is a winger. But 
Um, you know, we had him down as just uh, someone on the picket swing. And at times, Jack, myself and you were saying that probably Cody could be, you know, moved on or he's going to just be a reserve-grade player. But the way he played on the weekend, I thought that he, he showed some um, great potential there and that, that fight and that will to, to really hold down that number one shot. And that spot, it really shows that once you get a shot in this NRL side, if you can take it with both hands, um, you, they potentially can pick and stick. We saw a definite uh, shift in mentality when uh, Jaden Sullivan um, came on and he played a, a little bit in the first half, Johnny, and, and then for portions of, of the second half. But also Mickey Molo. I, I don't think there were... Uh, there's not that many fans that probably knew that much about about Mick. There's obviously a lot of passionate fans that listen to our podcast and a lot of really dedicated fans that know what's happening in the lower grades and those kinds of things. And he has been uh, by far the, the best forward um, in that uh, in that pack den in the New South Wales Cup. He was a real wrecking ball when he came on, added that bit of size, a little bit of speed, and, and Sullivan um, also brought that when he came off the bench. I guess that's what, what highlights um, our, our real need for speed through the middle of the park. And I guess it's disappointing that, uh, that Jaden misses out because he could have been a real spark heading into this game against uh, against the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, but um, I, I guess focusing on the on, on the positives, uh, Michael Molo, great to see him in his first game. He looked like a, a seasoned pro, like someone that had played thirty or forty NRL um, uh, games in that in that position. He had to play big minutes because there were a couple of injuries on on the bench uh, for, for the Dragons. What did you make of his performance on there out there at Cogger on Saturday? Yeah, look, oh, I thought his performance was unreal. I thought he was very polished. I thought he was tough. He was aggressive, and he and he hit really hard when he when he was in defence. Uh, you go back to that charity shield match, Jack, and we said he was the standout players there, and you know we were all hoping that he got one of those top thirty spotted contracts back then. And um, once he got his chance there on the weekend, he absolutely went outstanding. Um, he's been a standout reserve grade in that New South Wales Cup, and absolutely deserved his debut on, on the weekend there. And um, look, I, I think he's going to be in that 17 for, for a long time coming if he can keep that form up. Yeah, certainly a player that we probably need to perform at the top of his game, especially with the Dragons' real issue uh, in that middle forward section with uh, the forwards uh, just not being able to have too much of, a, of an impact. Um let, let's, uh, I guess, fast forward to the end of the game, um, Johnny. The Dragons are up 24-18. We can talk about, I guess, the refereeing decisions, the fact that Reese Wells should have been sent to the sin bin with 10 minutes to go, but Lomax kicks that penalty goal, 24-18. The Dragons have the lion's share of possession in that final 10 minutes, but they just couldn't seem to ice the game, could they? That They've got a real issue when it comes to kicking field goals, which is kind of ironic because when we had a QA, and a Noel Goldthorpe was one that was known for kicking field goals um, at unnecessary times some sometimes uh, as well when he was playing for the Saints in the 90s. But Ben Hunt, he's only got one field goal next to his name. He missed one from directly in front. Uh, Junior Moan didn't attempt one. Jaden Sullivan wasn't out there. He's probably the best exponent of the, the field goal for the Dragons. And, and Zach Lomax didn't uh, didn't get an opportunity. We saw him kick one earlier in the season down at Wollongong against against Newcastle. Might not have hurt us here, but you, you feel those lack of top-line field goal kickers is going to come to hurt us when there are games uh, that are on the line and we need someone to, to go up and, and snap a point. And we're lucky that it didn't come back to bite us. The Warriors threw the ball around for what seemed like an eternity off that last play of the game. And the Dragons, really, they should have iced that game well before the 80th minute. It, it really did look like they were going to score a try there right on the bell when they threw it around. And in true Warriors form, if there was one team in the competition that could have jagged it there in the 80th minute, it was going to be them. And yeah, you talk about the field goal and the opportunities and what could unfold throughout the season in tight games. And uh, ben Hunt, I think they said the other day on the television, he's only ever, only ever potted one field goal in his whole NRL career, which is absolutely massive. Um, the other one there, Zach Lomax, we know he can kick him, but Jaden Sullivan's an absolute professional there at the drop kick. And 
you know, if he's on the field, I think he's your go-to man to, mm. to pot the one-pointer. But, you know, well, he, he's not in the 17 this week and he's going to be playing off the bench. So potentially you need to look at probably another option for Ben Hunt because if you're in a defensive line and you know it's going to go to Ben Hunt when they're 20 metres out, they're looking for a field goal. So I think they need to look for a bit of a, a plan B there in the middle of the field, the Dragons, to potentially get that one point. Yeah, they uh, they need to try and uh, work on that. That seems to be an issue. It's happened a couple of times this year as well when you've got your centre-kicking field goals. Uh, I know he's got a great boot, Zach, and he could be a great field goal kicker in years to come, but you need some other options, especially in the, in the middle of the park uh, as well. We've spoken about a couple of these uh, these guys previously, Johnny, but I really love the impact of, of Junior Ramone, uh, Cody Ramsey, and, and Mickey Molo. Um, it was also an interesting the Dragons uh, shifted the ball out to the edges early. looked like it was a, a definite ploy, but let's talk a little bit about Junior Ramon, um, I know you touched on him um, just at the start of this match review. He's been a, a great player through the lower grades and, and through the, the younger age groups the last couple of years. We've been waxing lyrical about him, but I thought this was his most complete performance um, since, uh, I guess, taking that number six role, um, starting the game. Johnny, he, he made a couple of really good runs, but I was really impressed more so than that um, was his, his his backup play. Whenever the Dragons made half a break or a break, he was inside. He had a couple of line breaks next to his name by, merely just by backing up a Cody Ramsey or a, a Ben Hunt or a trailing one of the forwards running through through the middle, which I thought was a great aspect of his game. He's obviously not the quickest 5-8 around. He's not a Jamie Sauer that's going to race 50 or 60 metres, but that's something that's been lacking in the Dragons game generally has been their, their backup play, their support play. Was really impressed with that and love his running game. Love him taking on the line. It adds another dimension, especially when you've got Benny Hunt that is a great organiser and has a, a solid kicking game, but also has a great running game as well. You kind of got a, a one-two punch in that, uh, that number six and number seven role. Yeah, look, Junzi's one of his best assets is his running game, and it was good to see that on display on the weekend. Um, you know, it's been in the locker for a few weeks there, mm. and with him coming into that sort of that utility role, he hasn't been able to produce that for, for, at long spurts. You see when he comes on when he's playing 14, when he finally gets his ball in the hands, he, his first – his first idea is really to go to the line. His second idea is to pass. And I love that with Juns that he wants to take the line on. Um, I think the more time he's out there, and, and we know how good of a player he is, he's going to get better and better with that combination with Ben Hunt. Um, they've been playing, you know, they've been playing together for a little bit now, and I just tend to feel they're starting to really gel together. And once they start gelling together and they get a lot more continuity bet- between each other, it's really going to be beneficial for the Dragons. Johnny, does the blooding of Michael Molo, um, obviously along with, with his brother Frankie, who's, who's been a mainstay in the middle of the park, and Jaden Sewell when he comes back, does that give you a bit more confidence in this Ford pack and, and maybe challenging some of, the, some of the better sides in the competition? Oh, look, I'd, li- I'd like to see the pack back. I'd like to see Jaden Sewell back. I'm liking Mikey Molo. Uh, I think they need to just play a bit more consistent football altogether. If they can get this this starting side all together and nail it down for a few weeks and they, they win a couple of games on the trot, it'll build their confidence and also build the confidence of the fans to see what sort of team we actually got because there's not many weeks running, Jack, that we've got the same 17 back-to-back, which is mm. – it is frustrating as a fan, but it can be even more frustrating for probably Hook Griffin and also the boys out there because they're trying to work on their combinations. They're trying to work on uh, winning games and when you've got different blokes standing outside of your week in, week out, it can get very frustrating. Uh, Johnny, before we finish our match review and, and bounce into uh, the match preview against the, the Bulldogs, um, did that victory on, on Saturday allay any fears for you or were there any statements made by the side or, or uh, things that you, you saw in that performance throughout the 80 minutes that gives you confidence leading, I guess, into this next month of football? 
no, nah, we had to win that game. If we didn't win that game, I think we would have our tyres would have been deflated. That was a must-win game for us, and it would have been one on the on the tip sheet at the start of the year that that they must win. Um, you, you, there's certain sides in the competition that you have to win against, and one of those are the Warriors. So I'd like to see how they go in the next few weeks to get a more of a gauge on them and see where they're where they're travelling. But you know, five wins. Um, I think we could be six or seven wins would be a lot better, but we've got mm. five wins at the moment. And that win last week against the Warriors, it was a must win. Talking of big matchups, Johnny, that takes us to our match preview brought to you by the Cogger Clubhouse, located down there at Railway Parade in Carlton. A big thanks for them being on board as a sponsor of the Red V podcast in season 2022. Uh, Dragons up against the Bulldogs. Uh, Johnny, it doesn't really ever matter where, the, where these two sides are coming. There's been games where we've been in the top four and uh, lost to the Bulldogs. There's been games where we've upset the Bulldogs when they've been flying high in those uh, years that they made it to, to the grand final. Uh, this has a this really reeks of, of danger game for the for the Dragons. Uh, they should have beaten the Titans a couple of weeks ago. They ground out a win against the Warriors, but it, it really counts for nothing uh, this uh, this performance last week if if the Dragons don't get over a Bulldog side that have shown glimpses of, of a little bit of class and shown glimpses of, of the side that they could be in season 2022. I guess with Mick Potter now as the uh, the coach that's taken the reins for the rest of the year, uh, he's got a full um, week of training with them um, under, his, under his belt and they uh, return to Belmore, get a chance to play at Belmore for the first time this year. It's going to take a big effort from the Dragons on Sunday afternoon out there at their spiritual home, isn't it, for, for the Dragons to walk away with the two points? Yeah, look, this is going to be a real hard game for the Dragons. And it, it's a tricky one because the Bulldogs are coming off you know, a, a bit of poor form and they've got a new coach at the helm in Mick Potter who has, who's played for both clubs. Um, mm. So it'll be interesting to see that how this game's played out. Um, back at Belmore for the Bulldogs, they don't often get to play there. And when they do, it's, it is their spiritual home ground and they really do rise to the occasion out there. And look, I'm, I'm real concerned about this one. I, I potentially see the Bulldogs... Um, getting over the Dragons, to be brutally honest, Jack. I just mm. think it's 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 their time to win a game at the moment. And the Dragons coming off that win last week, um, you know, they're not the best at backing up and going a couple of weeks in a row. And if they play like they did last week in that two halves of football, um, I can potentially see. And I know the Bulldogs have been in pretty poor form. But the, the Belmore factor, the new coach factor, it's all starting to line up as if the mm. Bulldogs can potentially knock the Dragons off. They have had a, a decent run of form lately against the Dogs, the Dragons. They did lose the last game that we played um, at, uh, out there at uh, the Stadium Australia on uh, on the Queen's birthday uh, weekend. We lost that 28-6, to but we have won four of the last six, uh, including uh, a couple at, uh, at Cogra and Wollongong, but uh, have never played um, against the Bulldogs um, at Belmore Sports Ground when it, when it comes to the, the merged entity of, of St. George and Illawarra as, as St. George Illawarra. So they'll be hoping to keep that, that little bit of good form um, going, Johnny, in, in recent times against the Dogs. Uh, we've seen Cody Ramsey again named in, in the number one jumper. Um, I'm, I'm sure the combinations um, are, are going to continue to build and it's going to take time for them to, to build. But I imagine another week in that position, another week with those same combinations is, is only going to be good uh, news for Cody as he, he works through uh, works through training this week with the Dragons. Yeah, look, I think Cody will get a bit of... Yeah, he'll get a bit of joy out of what he, how he played last week, and I'm sure he's going to get a lot more motivation to sort of secure that number one jersey because at the moment, Hook Griffin's backed him up and, and said to him, you're going to play again in that number one jersey. Um, look, if Cody wants to make that his own, he's got to put back-to-back performances down. And I think that coming off last week and the game he played and going to the training this week and, you know, when they're doing the captain's run, he's the first man to go out there and train at fullback. Well, I think that Cody's going to be in for another, another cracker of a game. I, I really hope he does. 
You know, mm. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Tyrell Sloan. I'd like to see him in the one jersey. But, you know, if, if Cody's got the chance at the moment, he's playing good football. I think we've got to back, back Cody and really see and hopefully he can play to all the ability that he's got. Yeah, we'll need a big performance from Cody Ramsey uh, at the back, especially um, he's going to be the key man to getting points on the on the board um, f- for the Dragons. Uh, when you look across the the uh, the field in this clash between the, the Dogs and the Dragons, Johnny, do you do you see an, an area where we might have a, a slight advantage or a, a decent advantage in uh, against this dog side? Look, I, I would have said the forward pack, but I'm really looking forward to the battle up front. Luke Thompson v Molo and, you know, Paul Vaughan playing against his old side and Blake Laurie taking on Paul Vaughan, which I think will be outstanding. But I'm looking I'm looking forward to our back row. I think Jack Bird, Tarek Sims and Jack DeBell, and I'd rather have that back three in, in the scrum rather than Corey Waddell, Max King and Josh Jackson, to be honest. Um, mm. I think the game's probably going to be run one in the middle of the field there with those sort of players there with, with, with Jack in the middle and Birdie and Tarek on the fringes. What do you see out of this dog side, Johnny? You, you touched on it a little bit previously. Uh, they put up 22 points uh, against the against the Tigers last week, and most neutral fans were, were kind of arguing that the dogs got a little bit hard done by 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 a Sid winning midway through that second half. They've they've shown glimpses, and they've got some some quality in that side. Obviously, you look at, at someone like a Josh Jackson in that 13 role that's been such a consistent performer, and may get another call up to, to Origin um, after after Sunday's game. That's when the Origin side w- will be will be announced. Um, um, you've talked about Paul Vaughan playing against his former club. Matt Dufty, uh, he has been, his name has been constantly in the media in recent weeks, but I would not be surprised if he pulls out an absolute uh, game for the ages against the Dragons. He'd love to get one over Zach Lomax and Blake Laurie that, that kind of uh, threw him under the bus a little bit in that interview with Fox earlier in, in the year. What, what do you see out of this Canterbury side with some of the weapons that they have uh, across the field? Yeah, look, uh, I think Josh Addo Carr there, he's got speed to burn for days. I think Matty Burton there. Cole Flanagan, look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Cole Flanagan, you know that. I just think that he's a little bit hard done at the moment. I'd like to see him hit some form, just not as a Bulldogs fan, but just for, just for Cole Flanagan because I think he's a very handy footballer, Jack. We watched him do a, some great work for Newtown Jets mm. over the years and come into that Cronulla system. And um, I, I just think that um, Cole Flanagan's turn's coming. And I think if Cole Flanagan's going to be on song, um, he can really change the game there for the, for the Bulldogs. Um, look, I, I'm really looking forward to the battle. Me, me, me young mate Aaron Shop, I think he's playing outstanding football. And if, mm. if he's up against Moses Sully, that is going to be one hell of a battle because uh, both of them will not back down one the lynch. Uh, when you uh, when you look at this game, Johnny, obviously you, you take the two points anyway, anyway you can. But if you were to see something out of this dragon side outside of, of that victory, what would you what would you want to see from from the Red V on on Sunday afternoon out there at Belmore? They just need two two to put two halves of football together, Jack. It's it's very rarely rare for this dragon side to be able to do that. And after last week, where we we played really poor in the first half, we played a lot better in the second half, but. We didn't ice the game. I think we need to play the full 80 minutes, and I'd like to see that. If we can sort of get the two points and play the full 80 minutes, um, I think that would be an absolute bonus for all Dragons fans. You got a score prediction for Sunday, Johnny? I know you said you thought the Dogs might spring an upset. What's what's your score prediction? Mate, I, I'd probably be barred from this podcast after this, but look, I'm, I'm going to say the Bulldogs are going to win by two. I think mm. this is going to be down to an absolute nail-biter, and I think the, the Belmore factor there for the Bulldogs um, I think they can potentially knock the Dragons off. I just, you know, I don't often tip against the, the Dragons in these close games. And and to be to be honest, Jack Hook Griffin would have had his had his whiteboard out at the start of the year, and this would have been a game where he said we're taking the two points from the Bulldogs. But I, I just the inconsistency from this Dragon side has got me a bit rattled at the moment. And um, 
the Bulldogs, new, as I said, new coach, coming off a bit of poor form, back at Belmore for the first time. Mm. Um, guys trying to stake their claims for origin jerseys. Um, it's, it's a big opportunity for the Bulldogs here. And um, I just think that they're going to knock us off and I'm going to be disappointed sitting at the pub on Sunday other <laughs> watching this game at 2 o'clock. Yeah, let's hope uh, Johnny isn't, uh, isn't right and the Dragons can uh, right some wrongs and uh, yeah, get back-to-back victories and, and hopefully uh, put themselves onto a, a path of playing finals footy. It almost um, comes as a four-point game, or well, does come as a four-point game for the Dragons because if they win that, they go directly into the bias. So all of a sudden you're talking, you're going from 10 points to potentially 14 points and then you're halfway to that Magic 28 number to potentially play finals footy. So a really big game for the Dragons out there at Belmore Sunday at 2 o'clock kickoff. Time for us to take another break here on episode 123 of the Red V Podcast. And then Johnny and I are going to dissect the lower grade news and then wrap up with your fans' corner questions. Hi, I'm Ben Cray and you're listening to the Red V Podcast with Jack and Johnny. Time to take a look at the lower grades of everything that's happening around the club at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. A bit of a mixed weekend, Johnny, for the Dragons' lower grades. We saw the Jersey Fleek side have an absolute enthralling victory um, in their clash against the high-flying Newcastle Knights. They won that game by only nine, uh, by eight points to six, pardon me, and a, a real, I guess, that throwback to uh, to yesteryear with a, with a low-scoring game, a penalty goal in the final minute of proceedings there were enough uh, for the Dragons to get the uh, the two competition points down, uh, down there at Collies. Alex Lobb. Uh, a friend of the podcast, he knocked over the penalty goal in the 70th minute for them to get home by eight points to six. That was after the Knights had scored in the 68th minute to cancel out a Bryce Magone try um, in the opening 10 minutes. So the Dragons get an upset victory there to win by eight points to six and again show that they are going to be a force in this Jersey Fleet Cup competition. Uh, after 10 games, the Dragons have won five, two draws, three losses and one bye and they sit themselves in fourth position while the Roosters 18, Knights 16 and Panthers 14 above them on the ladder, but comfortably inside that top eight system at the moment are the Dragons. Uh, meanwhile, in the in the New South Wales Cup uh, system, the Dragons unfortunately went down um, to um, a very good Newcastle side at, at Cogra. The precursor to first grade went down 27 to 20. Uh, Trey Stewart, Connor Mulheason and Josh Kerr all scored tries, but uh, the Knights always kind of had their nose in front um, in that one, and uh, the Dragons just weren't good enough. A couple of back-to-back losses. They uh, had the bye previously uh, to this loss, and the week before that, they had the Dogs, who they actually play this week as well. Um, so it, after a dreadful start to the season, Johnny, they, they kind of bounced back and, and showed a bit of resilience the News Falls Cup side, and now they've dropped two in a row, staring down at a potentially three defeats in a row. So they need to try and find something with a couple of these first-grade guys dropping back if they want to have uh, have any chance of playing finals footy in season 2022. Yeah, look, they'll get a few of these players drop back, and there'll be massive shuffle to, the, to this side. Trey Stewart will get moved across probably onto the picket swim. Sam McCann, as he has the last few weeks, he'll come back and play local Illawarra Rugby League. Uh, look, Cameron Cry's been doing a really, really good job there at six, and his partnership with Bud Sullivan, I think, this week will be will be something to watch. Um, Braxton Wallace will be the unlucky one that will more than likely drop back there to that SG ball side or potentially onto the bench. Um, look, it's good to have Josh Corrick in that side. Georgie Burgess will be there. Um, Shalom Afu, he's been running around in the Illawarra competition for Coromel for the past few weeks and doing a really, really good job. So he's one of those players, him as well as Sam McKeon, that are sort of getting dropped back to local football at the moment. Th- same as uh, Nathan Leah Tingaga and uh, Mitch Francis, who was named. Um, he ran out at 5'8 for the Thrill Butchers there on the weekend. So, um, look, there will be a lot more movement in this reserve grade side once that um, that squad from the NRL get, gets cut and we see the names filter back down. 
Yeah, they had, had plenty of quality last week, which probably is concerning. They've lost a couple of games. You had uh, Pawasa Farmasuli, who hasn't been named this week, so there's a bit of conjecture about what's going on with Pawasa, um, and we'll touch on that in, in just a sec. Um, Billy Burns was was on the bench, and then you had the likes of Josh Corrick, Jack, Jack O'Four, Jaden Hunt, George Burgess, Conor and Josh Kerr, um, and uh, even Tata Mogra, Max Fierna, he made his return in in, in reserve grade. Uh, Pawasa Farmasuli is an interesting one, Johnny. He was signed over by the Roosters at the back end of 2019. We were very excited about getting a big bopper in the middle of the park, which is what we still severely lack, but he's really fallen down the pecking, pecking order. The fact that he's playing off the bench in, in reserve grade hasn't been named at all this week. I would not be surprised if uh, we, we, uh, we see him kind of leave before that June 30 deadline. It would be a shame because he probably hasn't got the opportunities that he's wanted either uh, under Paul McGregor when he was coaching in 2020 or whether it be under uh, Anthony Griffin. It, it's uh, it's an interesting one, that, that the Pawasa Farmasuli news that, that's trickling through. Yeah, he sort of hasn't been given the best of opportunities. We've seen him filter in that reserve grade, uh, sorry, the NRL side where he, he put in a couple of good performances, but he's potentially been just a, a New South Wales Cup player. And um, look, if there's a club out there that's looking for a fringe or a reserve player, someone to, to fill a gap in that 17. I think Puasa Farmasuli could possibly do a job at, at any club. And look, if a club like the Melbourne Storm pick him up, um, I think he'll be one of those <laughs> players that we, we regret to lose. Yeah, that would be a shame if that uh, if that happened. But uh, yeah, we'll see what does transpire over the next month or so. So uh, coming into this week, the Dragons, they take on Canterbury in both grades. So uh, they'll be pay, uh, taking on uh, the Bulldogs in the uh, knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. It's, ga- it's going to be televised again on Foxtel, 11.30 kickoff out there at the Belmore Sports Ground. Third-place Bulldogs up against the ninth-place Dragons. They outclassed the Dragons when they last met down in, uh, at the Collegian Sporting Complex, the Dragons. They're going to need to be a lot better. Meanwhile, Jersey Flag have a 7 o'clock Friday game. So if you're looking for a little bit of uh, quality rugby league with some of the best young players uh, around New South Wales do get down to the Belmore Sports Ground. The Bulldogs up against the Dragons for that Friday night fixture. Hopefully the Red V uh, can knock over the Dogs and uh, continue to establish themselves inside uh, that top four. Almost time for myself and Johnny to jump on out of here. But before we do, let's uh, go in and uh, try and answer your fans' corner questions for this week. Uh, Johnny, our first one comes from Tim Boucher on Twitter. And Tim has asked... Hey, boys, all seven of our backs ran for more metres than every single one of our forwards on the weekend. This is a continual trend. How much of a worry is that? Is this for the Dragons' success this season, and is it a lack of fitness? Look, I don't think it's a lack of fitness. I, I think I read a stat the other day saying that no Dragons forward run over 100 metres, mm. um, which, which is really concerning because you want to see one of these boppers. To me, when you see a bopper that's had, had 15 carries, you should be running 150 metres. Um, you know, in, in my mind, every carry should be at least 10 metres um, if you want to be a d- dominant forward, which at the moment we're not. Um, some of our backs are making good metres. Like, you look at Moses Sewell, he's getting some good carries. Uh, Cody Ramsey got good carries. Um, our, our picket swingers, both both wingers are getting good carries. But mm. we need one of those forwards that's going to that's gonna run for 130, 140 metres each game, and, and that's not what we're getting at the moment. It's possibly not a fitness thing. I, I just think our forwards are a little bit slow. They're getting um, their service a little bit flat-footed, and they're just not hitting that advantage line and, and, and making the metres through the middle. Uh, and it is a concerning factor. You look at other sides that really punch up the middle and, and make good metres up the middle, and then their, their nines just dart out a dummy half, and that, that's what we need to do. Um, we probably haven't got the cattle at the moment, mm. um, but the more the more time that Mikey Molo, I think, plays um, up front with his, with his brother Frankie, I think potentially we could see them too, you know, crack that 150-metre mark or 10, 10 metres per carry sort of thing. 
Staying on the trend of, uh, of our forwards and, speci- and particularly our front row forwards, Johnny, and we've got a uh, we've got an email from Andrew Dunstan um, contacted us redvpodcast at gmail.com. He said it's obvious that along with the dynamic hooker, we are missing a middle forward that can consistently run for 125 plus meters a game. Who should we be targeting to fill this gap? I do not believe there are many A grade players on the market for next year. Should we be looking at someone like a Jack Hetherington, Luke Thompson, or perhaps someone from the Super League? Yeah, look, uh, I, I'm always I'm always keen to see who's out there and who wants to come to the club, especially in our forward ranks. Um, look, we, we have had that little bit of um, success there where we've brought our own forwards coming through, but at the moment I think there's probably a gap between some of these front rowers that are coming through um, in the next few seasons. I think we need a, a dominant prop right now, and if that's someone like a Thompson or someone like that, I think we should really start engaging and looking for someone. Um, I think I said last year or the year before, Jack, I'd love to see a Jared Warrior Hargraves at the club. Um, I think he's a little bit long in the tooth now, but a couple of seasons ago he would have been absolutely sensational mm. for us. That bit of mu- that bit of mongrel up front, that forward that demands that ten meters every carry, and I think that's what we're lacking at the moment. Yeah, there are a couple of interesting kind of names when you, when you look at that off contract list for twenty twenty three, Johnny. Someone like a Thomas Flegler, uh, I think the Dragons kind of were interested in him a couple of years ago. He's a really strong body uh, off the bench playing for the Broncos. Always hard to prize away those Queensland boys, but if anyone can do it, who uh, can? You've got uh, Emery Gula um, at the at the at the Raiders, uh, a big body that was a, a, a superb player in the under twenties comp for them, and has had limited opportunities in uh, in in first grade, um, and then you've obviously uh, got. Uh, some uh, some big name uh, not big names but, but some big bodies like uh, Jack Hedrington, Avasai Menafani, uh, Luke Thompson from from the Bulldogs. Uh, when you go down and look at uh, look at the Sharks, there's a, there's a few little kind of reserve grade uh, reserve grade names uh, there. Um, so there isn't there isn't a whole lot of quality out there, and maybe the Dragons do have to kind of go to the Super League and try and do what Canberra's done the last couple of years and try and find a, a diamond in the rough. I know Dragons fans don't look back um, with great fondness on Mike Cooper because of some of the words that he said when he departed, but he was a, a fine servant for the Dragons and Lisa and Armour. You need those big bodies, whether it's coming off the bench or whether they're starting, that can really punch a hole in the defensive line, and the Dragons are really just lacking those uh, kind of quality forwards uh, at the moment, so that's going to be something that's going to be, um, we're going to be focusing on as fans um, over the next six months or so as we slowly head uh, towards the 2023 season. Uh, Philip Leishman has contacted us on Facebook, Johnny, and said who are missing all the tackles every week? Do we have any statistics? Well, I don't um, it, it's kind of hard to, to grab hold of that, but I'll, I'll dare say that um, it's probably close to everyone in the team. We saw a fair bit of jersey grabbing on the weekend. It's not just the middle of the park, um, contrary to, to public belief, but also on the edges as well, where the defence hasn't hasn't been great. It's kind of been all over the park. Yeah, look at that. It, it really has been all over the park. And, you, you know, you can sit there and pinpoint one or two players, but uh, we really need to tighten up our defence. And, you know, we, we're... We, we missed 36 tackles on the weekend, and um, you know, you, you know, we, you don't want to be missing too too many at, at the best of times. But when they're soft one-on-one tackles and um, easy tackles and tackles that should be mateable, um, and especially when they're leaking points, um, they're the hard ones to take. And you know what? I really hate seeing Jack has missed tackles on the try line when mm. you're defending your own goal line. Those those are the ones that are they're, they're the deal breakers for me. Uh, last question comes from Bailey Ash. He said, hey, boys, who do you guys think has been our best attacking player so far this season? Last year, I thought it was Michaeli Ravalawa, but I don't think he scored since round one this year. What are your thoughts? Oh, 
I think her best attacking player is not scoring the, the bulk of the tries. It's probably Benny Hunt, Jack. Um, mm. He's producing some really good movements in attack. But if you want someone that's off off the ball a little bit and starting to really flourish and could potentially turn into someone that's going to um, be a lot more damaging, I think that's Moses Suli at the moment. Yeah, Jack. I think that he's, he's coming into his own the last few weeks. He's starting to um, really mould himself into one of those centres um, that can potentially be a high-profile centre. I know he's come with a lot of bag, baggage coming over to the Dragons. He's... Um, you know, he's come with a lot of bad publicity, but I think at the moment we're just seeing um, each week Moses getting better and better. And mm. uh, he, he's a handful to tackle, uh, just how he, he, he's he so is, solid. Isn't he? Yeah. That little bit, little bit low to the ground. He's got that little bit of aggression in him every time he carts that pigskin up. Uh, but also in defense, he's starting to really shoot out and make some real good contact. So I think, um, you know, look, looking at it now, if. if I was to pinpoint someone as a as a strike weapon that, as our go to, I'd be going to Moses Suli. Yeah, well, so far through eleven games, just the one try, Johnny, but he hasn't been getting a lot of quality ball, and the Dragons don't score that many points as it is. So I wouldn't focus just on that. Three tries, he's averaging seventeen runs and one hundred and fifty eight meters a game. So uh, and also averages five and a half tackle breaks per game as well. So he's been very very good. And then when you look at the stats of, of Ben Hunt, he's been uh, he was fine on the weekend for us as well with a try assist and, and two line break assists. But he's got ten tries is next to his name. He's he's ranked uh, equal second in the Dally M votes. That shows just how important he is uh, to the Dragons. But averaging 16 runs and 100 metres uh, per game, averaging 2.8 tackle breaks uh, per game. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's been a, a really solid performer, as he always is. Where uh, That's kind of becoming the norm with Benny, the, the really great stints that he's putting in for the Dragons. And he'll need another big one uh, for the Dragons when they battle uh, the Bulldogs on Sunday. So that wraps up all of our fans' corner questions here on the Red V podcast and brings us to the end of episode 123 a big thanks to all of you for tuning in and supporting the podcast uh johnny great to be chatting dragons footy back with you again mate i know you've got to rush off you've got some training and different things that to do tonight so hopefully your boys can uh, get back on uh, on the paddock with some of the really intense rain we've had uh, across the eastern coast but especially uh, down your way on the, the south coast of, of new south wales mate great to be chatting dragons footy and let's hope uh, the, the the red v can can put in a, a decent shift on sunday and we can be talking about back-to-back wins on the podcast this time next week yeah that's it mate let's all hope that the dragons get over the bulldogs i think i know it's going to be a a tough day out there at belmore but um i think we'll be thereabouts and um i know i've tipped against the dragons but still I'd, i'd love to see them get the two points yeah, so would the entire fan base. They would love to see the Dragons make it back-to-back as they aim for their sixth win in season 2022. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 123 of the Red V Podcast. Until next week, where episode 124 will be dropping on Tuesday evening, hopefully talking about a sixth win of the season and a back-to-back win and a win against the Bulldogs. This is Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett signing off for the Red V Podcast. Let's go, those mighty Dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.